The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. It's the Cigar Authority After Show, and it's brought to you by Roma Craft Tobacco. Since 2010, Mike Rosales and Skip Martin have focused on the simple and time-honored task of combining quality tobacco, experienced craftsmen, and the right amount of time to bring you cigars worthy of the legacy of the centuries of premium cigar craftsmen that came before them. Whether you are revisiting the anti-prohibition-era mindset of intemperance or getting in touch with your more primal side with a Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal, you are sure to find a blend in the Romacraft house of brands that fits the exact balance of flavor, strength, and body you are looking for in that moment. When you're finally able to take a short break from the world to relax and enjoy a cigar, the last thing you need is a complicated sales pitch. Simple, yet substantial. Tobacco, talent, time. Romacraft tobacco. The after show, the, the after, after show. show. It's the after show, everybody. After the show and still with us is Rocky Patel. So we said, why not come on to the after show? Because there's so much we can talk about. Uh, lots of wins happening for the cigar industry. Uh, we went over the FDA thing. Um, it w- there was actually nine other different uh, big wins that happened across states and things this year of tax caps and all kinds of things. I think we're just winning across the board. This, this might be the good old days of the cigar industry. Uh, and worldwide, and you guys are in how many countries? We're in 89 countries, and uh, it's great to see that we're finally on offense, right? Yes. defense. That took years and years and years of planning, uh, both on the state side and the federal side, to get there. So now we're finally starting to see some results. So and what I'm hearing is New World cigars, for those that don't know that, that term, that those are anything but Cuban cigars. So you go over in Europe, and they carry Cuban cigars, mostly that, that was all they carried for many, many years. And when they would bring something in, like a Davidoff or something, that would be a New World cigar, something coming from the New World. And over the years, and I, I would say thanks to Cuba, um, messing up on their production numbers and their quality control and all that, more and more New World cigars. And price. Yeah. Price where, is a huge thing. Where it used to be, say, 10%, they say it's over 50% now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember, Dave, you know, I've been uh, trying to get our brands into Europe for over 20 years. I mean, uh, I visited Switzerland and Germany to start. I went to every single cigar store in Germany from Kiel to Rustock down to the Black Forest. Uh, and I remember going in Switzerland, the first five stores I went to in Geneva, I was thrown out. And they, uh, this is back in, I want to say, 1999, 2000. And they had no interest. They, unless it was Cuban, they weren't even interested. And yeah. I kept pounding the pavement. It was like three years later, finally, I'd take off the band and give them a cigar and smoke it. And they go, oh, wow. you know. So uh, it used to be about 80% Cubans and 20% Davidoff. And that's all there was. And I would venture to say that now it's almost 70% New World cigars. Wow. Oh and then God. 30% between Cubans and Davidoff. So the New World cigars have really made the mark. I think people realize that they're affordable, number one. Number two, the consistency, the construction is much superior than the Cuban cigars. Sure. And then there is also uh, a great choice of flavor profiles. And so I think that uh, uh, people realize that. I was just in London. It was shocking. I went to the Davidoff store and I went to J.J. Fox and the Bahike. Uh, it was like three, 400 pounds for a Robusto. A Toro was like a single. A single. For a single, <laughs> not a box. Uh, you know, uh, a Toro was like 500 to 600 pounds for a cigar. Uh, we had 
had dinner, and there's very few places to smoke unless it's a private club or something like that. We went to one small humidor. I asked the clerk, you know, what do you recommend? He pointed to some party or something, and I go, how much uh, is this cigar? And he goes, 1,600 pounds. I said, for the box? He goes, no, for the cigar. It's just mind-blowing, mind-blowing. And, you know, as you know, uh, a Chinese-slash-Hong Kong group bought Yes. Uh, Habanos, or a portion of Habanos, and uh, it seems a lot of cigars uh, are going exported into China, and then they've raised their prices to get their uh, money back, yeah. uh, and, uh, sure. you know, because they're not getting as many cigars as they thought they ought to or were promised, and uh, there's a shortage of tobacco in Cuba, from what I've heard. There's less farmers growing the tobacco, and so there's a great opportunity right now for the New World Cigars to enter into the international market. Which market in Europe or, or overseas is the one that you have your eye on that looks like it's going to be the next big thing? Well, certainly Germany's the biggest market and always has been, right? It's a big market. Spain's a big market. Switzerland's a big market. But I see some extreme growth in the eastern Block countries like countries you know that you'd never think Croatia, Serbia, Estonia. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to Kosovo. Uh, it, it's it's crazy. So the, the the boom is pretty much international because there's just a shortage of supply. If you go into London Heathrow or Frankfurt to buy duty free, shelves are empty. I mean, empty. And I hear that the Cubans are coming up with a machine made cigar that they're going to roll out for thirty eight dollars oh, a piece. That's yikes. a machine made cigar. So you, you literally see a four pack or maybe a six pack of some Cubans and then you know some Davidoff, some Avos, but you really don't see a whole lot of stuff. So uh, it's a great opportunity right now. We're trying to enter into that duty free market. We're trying to uh, you know get into uh, some of the smaller international markets. So all those pennies add up and uh, uh, people are really uh, opening their horizons to the New World Cigars. And I know all my friendly competitors are all there in Dortmund, and they're also traveling across Europe to promote the cigar. So uh, this is kind of the new generational boom uh, in the international market for cigars. Do you find it's easy for you to get into shops easier now that you're more recognized? I mean, let's face it, you're bordering on being a regular celebrity. Forget about a cigar celebrity. Uh, do you find that that level of fame has made it easier for you to sort of break down the door? I mean, I, I think that the, the distributors that are involved in the cigar market and the because cigar Because it's business, different over there. Yeah. It's not like he sells to the store, right? Correct. You, you work different. with the distributor, and yeah. then the distributor goes out, and they have salespeople who sell to the store. So yeah. unless you're doing events with certain stores, you really don't meet the store owners per se, wow. right? Yeah, so you actually meet the distributors, and, and the distributors are pretty educated on what brands are popular, what brands are doing well. They follow the American market. Uh, they're clued in, and so uh, they read the magazines. There's, I'm sure many of them listen to your show. Uh, so it, it's a matter of just getting out there, being aware of Do you think the retailers media. ask the distributor, get me Rocky Patel? Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So there is something yeah. to that to end yeah. up. But then it becomes a big process. Yeah. I mean, listen, during COVID, uh, we were back-ordered five and a half million cigars, and we really fulfilled the American market. We, we were, besides Germany, where we've had long 
standing relationships there with our customers there and a few other countries, uh, we weren't able to supply some of the smaller countries. I mean, we were back ordering, you know, they'd get their product six months late, eight months late. We just didn't have enough, enough cigars. And so I think COVID was a boom worldwide. It wasn't just in America. Um, and I think that uh, it is more fashionable for the youth uh, to enjoy cigars. You know, when we grew up, we were drinking beers and, right. and, and you know, Jack Daniels. Yeah. And now they're all into craft beers and bourbons and uh, high-end whiskeys and tequilas and things like that. So uh, this is a, a, a phenomenon that I see going on worldwide, not just in so, America. Rocky, how, how do you think ultimately it affects the U.S. consumer, right? There's a limited amount of tobacco to go around. That is true. I mean, you know, one of the things that we've realized is that some of the biggest growers, such as Nesta Placencia and others that were growing a lot of filler, have started growing wrapper. Uh, because there's more money in wrapper, uh, you don't have to spend three to four years fermenting the tobacco. Uh, it takes a year, year and a half, and then you can supply it to the uh, whoever's buying it, and they can take it to the next process. And they've been growing a lot of broadleaf because the broadleaf is used by the machine-made companies. And, uh, you know, it's a suitable wrapper because it's dark, it's oily, it's resilient. Uh, and so they're selling a lot of wrapper, and that's why uh, we've extended our farming operations over the last uh, six, seven years from Esteli to Condega and now with a, a new farm uh, with our partner Marissa in Honduras in the Hamastron Valley. So we realize unless you vertically integrate, it's very, very hard to get tobacco and to fulfill the needs because now it's a global market, not just an American market. And now with the new track and trace rules, which are in place, uh, you know, as opposed to shipping from Honduras and Nicaragua internationally, a um, lot of us are going to be shipping from Slovakia. So we've got, like, uh, you know, basically an international warehouse in Slovakia. And then from there, all the countries will get their products. So as opposed to waiting three months for product, they can get it in three days. So, uh, you know, the shelves will not be empty. And uh, strategically, uh, this is what has to be done because of the European Union laws. Here we're having wins, but in Europe, they're yeah. tight tightening the noose sure. on regulation. Sure. And it's very difficult because nobody's organized in Europe because most of the tobacco companies are large machine-made companies. And so it's, uh, all the manufacturers are here, and they don't have a lobby in Europe. And the European Union right now has got a chokehold on premium cigars yeah. and the entire tobacco uh, how long do you think it'll be with if Cuba keeps up its nonsense with the pricing that they have and the lack of quality, how long before they just go out of business and it becomes a moot point? Well, I mean, I don't think they're ever going to just go out of business. I think there are a lot of hardcore people in Europe and over the world that enjoy Cuban cigars. Especially they, they, the Chinese. For, yeah, well, for uh, what reason? I have no they, idea. They, they just, you know, because they're into brands, right? And it's a legacy okay. brand. So they've always been to like Cohiba, yeah. Artigas. They, they, they love the legacies, Louis Vuitton and Chanel. And, you know, there's lines outside uh, of these stores. And it's all Chinese when you go to Louis Vuitton store in Europe or anywhere else. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's crazy. So uh, just like Bordeaux, when Bordeaux, you know, they... They went nuts over Bordeaux. They were mixing Bordeaux with Coca-Cola and drinking wow. it. You know, they could afford it. And there was a worldwide shortage of good Bordeaux because Chinese were taking it all. So it's a monopoly right now. So 
we can't introduce officially cigars into China. You'd have to go through the official monopoly, and you can understand why. I thought I heard a crazy number of how many billion cigarettes are imported into China and made in China. It's a mind-blowing number. Yeah. So you can imagine how much money that Chinese monopoly makes. So they want to control everything that goes into China. So right now, uh, besides the Cubans, which are official there, and I believe Davidoff is official there, all other cigars are pretty much smuggled through a catering license or smuggled through Hong Kong into China. But there's a huge demand. And if that market were ever to open up officially, uh, there would definitely be a shortage of cigars in this country and worldwide. Yeah, because I know talking to some of the European uh, cigar shop owners, um, they get very little Cubans to begin with that are happening. But when they do open the doors and they have them to sell... Chinese people are coming in Absolutely. and buying them and exporting them out. Yep. So they're not even being consumed. So I would say that they, how many Europeans are actually smoking Cuban cigars? There's probably yeah. very, very little to begin with. And as they are forced to right now smoke somebody else's cigar, a New World cigar, they're going to say, oh, my God, it draws so well. Oh, it burns so good. Yeah. It tastes just like it did last time. And when... Cuba tries to go back, like Jonathan says, you know, when they're done playing this game that they're playing with and they try to go back because maybe the Chinese go on to the next thing, whatever it's going to be, what are they going to have? They're going to be in big, big trouble. They're making a big mistake. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I mean it's good for us. Yes. Uh, it's absolutely good for us. But, you know, it's interesting. There are signature shops that have a legacy in Europe, right? They typically get the cream of the crop and they get the supply of the Cubans. But your average, everyday Joe retailer does not get them, like you said. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, those shops uh, limit people to having buying two cigars at a time because they know there's Chinese tourists that come in and uh, they're visiting Europe during the summer and they're trying to buy everything. And so they have their local customers that they want to protect and make sure they have cigars first. So it's quite interesting what's going on over there. And, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity for us. And it's great that finally the European slash international customer has the opportunity to try our cigars and, and understand and comprehend that we're working very, very hard on the quality and consistency and the construction of the cigars. And we have a very diverse portfolio. So hopefully uh, there's something that they're going to enjoy and the price is significantly lower yeah. than a Cuban. Do you can't get your cigars in China. I can't. Not can't officially. No. Not officially. We're working on it, but so far we haven't. And the only one that is that. is Davidoff? That I believe so. Yeah. Yes. Well, because if they get a hold of these other cigars, I think they can want like the Louis Vuitton all they want, but you, this is a, a different type of product. Well, when you have a Louis Vuitton bag, it's a bag, so it, 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 operates, stays, it, it operates the way it's supposed to operate, and it matches your outfit. When you're talking about cigars and you, you're talking about Cuban cigars that are not draw-tested, the raw materials are not worked far long enough, even close. Construction issues, draw issues, all those problems. You compare that to our DOS Ombre in the case, and it's a better cigar. Right, right. In every way. Yeah. I'll tell you a little story. This is quite interesting. The Cubans have been trying to make their own cigar. They're growing a tremendous amount of tobacco. I personally got the opportunity to go to an island called Hainan in China and met with a group of people, and they were growing at least... You mean the Chinese? You said Chinese. Cubans. You mean so the Chinese? I mean Chinese. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 8,000 acres of tobacco. <laughs> and they had the Cubans come and acres. give them technology, and the Cubans gave them all the wrong processes. Well, because they only purposely. know the wrong processes. <laughs> and the curing barns were literally like eight feet tall. 
Uh, I smoked some of the cigars. They were horrible. The tobacco was terrible. Uh, we met with groups this year at the PCA show from China uh, that are trying to invite us down there. Obviously, I know why they want us there. They want us to teach them how to cure the tobacco, ferment the tobacco. Uh, they believe that they want to make cigars because they see the opportunity sure. in their market. And, and they don't want that give it up. else. Somebody's going to give it up for the money, of course. Exactly. Somebody's going to give it up yeah. for the money. And uh, so... They've, they've designated a significant portion of land. They've built a, a, a cigar museum. They actually have a train passing through, stopping there. There's six, seven buildings dedicated to cigars, uh, to promote cigars. So they have a big master plan. And uh, you know, so. is it a worry at all that China ends up getting into cigars? Because it seems like if they get into it, they're going to be... For China, they're, are they, you think they'll export? Well, they're, they're they're certainly trying to also get in this market. They will, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, I just don't believe that they they can match the tobacco from Nicaragua or Honduras or Dominican Republic or from Cuba. Um, you know, it's taken decades and decades of training to master this art. This is not just something you learn quickly on how you cure and ferment and and even the construction of the cigars. So. They're definitely going to try, and people in China will probably smoke them, but I think they're a long ways away. Uh, it's like in everything. They're yeah. copycats. You know, right. They, they copy everything. But they, they do they, a good they, job usually. I, I, I'm in fear of it. Yeah. Uh, I would think that that could be something, and even try to come into the U.S. market if they get a brand that catches on with something. I tasted, I told you, I tasted tobacco from India. Yeah. Uh, very good. Not Good, very good. Yeah. Um, which is another whole world. You, you know much better. You're from India. Um, it could be something. Are you messing around with that at all? Well, we, we, you know, we had somebody at the show give us some samples with tobacco from India. A good friend of us, Hamid Saradi, he's growing in Andhra Pradesh and he's growing some tobacco there. And I've talked to the Placencias about sending somebody there and, and, and trying to have a, a project there to cultivate there. Uh, at one point, we were actually exploring, uh, looking at. Uh, having a factory down there wow. where there was eight pair of rollers and uh, you probably know this team the husband and wife team they had a brand long time ago a small brand they've uh, been in India they have more more boat they've been there a long time they've been there a long time and they got Carlito to invest they tried to get me to invest and they actually had eight pairs in my hometown wow. rolling cigars that wow. I didn't know about. And I actually smoked the cigars. The taste wasn't good, but the construction was Yeah, they perfect. made good cigars. So I was surprised that they had eight women rolling cigars in Baroda, India, which is my hometown. Wow. And so I guess you can train people to roll them because they did. But uh, I don't know about tobacco. But when we looked at the logistics of taking tobacco from Central America, sending it to India, the taxation of importation is so high. It was like 210% uh, or something crazy that it just didn't make sense. And shipping it all the way there, then taking the finished goods, shipping them all the way back, it just didn't make sense. It, it, you know, And so... That, that's the other logistical problem you've got to consider. All right. You've had a lot of wins in a row, I, and I wish you more success of more wins. How are you with music? I love music. Well, I'm a bad wedding drummer. You know that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's make some beautiful music right now with Avo Cigars. From moments worth remembering to stories worth telling and notes worth savoring, Avo Cigars. Lyrics of top charted songs. Can you guess the name of the song and the artist from the wrong lyrics or even the right ones? Avo Cigars. <laughs> 
All right, Rocky, I'm going to say something to you, a lyric from a, song, from a song, and not put it together the right way it's supposed to go. Wrong lyric, and two points if you get the wrong lyric. If you don't get it, you got 10 seconds. I'll go to the correct lyric of the same song, but not, I'm not going to sing it out to you and see if you know what it is. You've been outright offensive for so long now. You've been outright offensive for so long now. Jonathan's writing his number down. Mm. No cheating. All right, you don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. Here is the correct words of that song. You've been out riding fences for so So long long. now. Fleetwood Mac? No. Eagles? That's it. I got the Eagles. I had take it to the limit. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, See if you could sing that with the melody. Of course. course That would make it easy. (laughs) That would make it easy. Uh, And as we know, this cigar industry isn't easy. Uh, Very, very difficult to do. But it's so good that um, things have turned around. I mean, this was the biggest thing. Ever in in my career of the I, I would say ever in the cigar industry because it was doomsday and it went away yeah. and thank you so much for pulling that off you were the, you were the 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 leader of it you're the general that, that uh, took us over the the hump of this thing and uh, we should celebrate for sure. Well, and, it's a great day for us and a great win. So yes. uh, nobody thought it would happen. A lot of no-sayers. Absolutely. Happy for the entire industry. And there are a lot of people involved in this battle. And uh, I thank them all. Yeah. They know who they are. Beautiful. Okay, next week on the Cigar Authority on Saturday, we have Eric Newman from J.C. Newman Cigar. He's the oldest cigar factory uh, in the U.S. Uh, We're going to talk to him about creating new cigar smokers. That's what we're going to work on. Two old guys talking about creating new cigar smokers. Nothing could go wrong, man. No, no. <laughs> we'll catch you next week on the Cigar Authority. Stick the lid end in your mouth. You might like it. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.